This is the Organizational Health Advantage Podcast with Keith Hadley and James Felton, Principal Consultants at Table Group. They're in the business of coaching leaders to build strategic focus and cultural alignment that leads to amazing results. This podcast is for leaders who are looking to increase productivity and morale while decreasing politics, confusion, and unwanted turnover. Welcome to the Org Health Advantage. Hello, and welcome back to the Org Health Advantage, where we talk about great leaders, high-performing teams, and great results within organizations. I'm your host, James Felton, and today we'll be talking about what it takes to make faster, better decisions in executive team meetings with my co-host and colleague and friend, Keith Hadley. Keith, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks, James. Love it. The reason I wanted to bring you back on uh, for this podcast is because you wrote a great article on what it takes to make faster, better decisions. And uh, I'd love to have you talk about that. Uh, yeah, it, it's something that comes up all the time, doesn't it, in our work? Yeah, absolutely. Um, just the, the the need for a leader to be the decider and, and uh, a growing discomfort among the leaders that we work with for actually being the decider. If, I think if most people were to guess, if we coach and work with 10 teams and 10 leaders, do they err on the side of being overly decisive and kind of dogmatic and autocratic? Or do they err on the side of being a little bit too consensus building agreement forming? Uh, and then it's like, man, I would say eight out of 10 times, it's the consensus building agreement focused. Yep. And they are unable to or unwilling to kind of pull the trigger on a decision. Yep. Yep. And I think part of that is um, maybe they're trying to create quote unquote buy-in yep. and looking for consensus to help with buy-in. Um, yeah. I think you and I have been on teams where uh, the leader didn't necessarily trust everybody's agendas, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, or, or maybe because the team wasn't really debating the issues from a holistic perspective. They were, they were, you know, debating it just from their functional view. Yeah. Yeah. Any of those things could affect it. There are probably other things that could affect it. But yeah, yeah I think generally speaking, they're, they're more consensus driven. Yeah. So if we just step back, I mean, the reason I wrote the article was I think a hallmark of a healthy team is the ability to make good decisions relatively quickly. So yeah. timely, high quality decisions are what we've just referred to as faster, better decisions. And then on the back end of that, of course, is the ability to take those decisions and then to execute them, to get them done in a way that is um, seamless across multiple functions of a business uh, and a way that is agile. If you make a decision, you know, that now bumps up against reality. And sometimes you need to step back and make a new decision. We call that agility. So agile, seamless execution, following faster, better decisions. my father was a high school principal, and one of the things I'll never forget that he said to me once, and at the time I didn't fully appreciate it, but he said, you know, Keith, the hardest part about being the principal of the high school is the only decisions I get to make are the impossible ones. And what he meant by that is, you know, if you've got, if you've got good people working with you, good leaders under you, uh, if you've empowered them to make decisions closest to the edge, 
if you have a good strategy and a good framework for decision making, you know, most decisions are made out there. And it's only when that comes to your desk and it's like, ooh, this one is tough. You know, it's yeah. the star athlete who's caught at the party by the police the night before the game, he gets suspended by the coach. But it's when there's conflicting reports of a star athlete who may or may not have been at the party and it's unclear, but we have to either live up to our sports policy or we have to disappoint all the students, the parents and the team. You know, that's the one that the principal has to make. And so yeah. how, how do you get yourself in that space where you can make a good decision relatively quickly when the pressure's on? That's really what this is about. Yeah. Yeah. And having the trust in the room to know, like, all right, I, I have these people who are debating the issue. I have the people who are looking at things holistically without their agenda for the most part. Um and and they're debating in a healthy, productive way this topic. Yeah, that that really then helps the leader make that tough decision. Yeah. So let, let's kind of dive into some of the some of the dynamics here. So first of all, yeah. leaders, if you're out there, you're listening to this. One mistake that we see often is like, leader, if you've already decided something, just let the team know you've already made a decision. Don't don't go through this charade of like, hey, let's open it up for discussion. No, just lead out and just say, hey, I've already decided that we're going to increase our prices this year. Let's have a conversation about how we roll this out. Um, now, you may discover in that conversation it wasn't such a great decision, then at least have the humility to revisit it. But we're talking to leaders who right now are facing things where they're like, hey, either this is 50-50. I've got no idea which way to go. There's two options or maybe more than two, and I'm undecided. Or maybe you're to the point you're you're leaning one way. Like there's some options in front of us, and I'm leaning a direction, but I'm not going to make a decision until I hear from the team. So if you're in that setting, I think there's, there's kind of four fears that we've identified as we work with leaders. Um, talk through those. Yeah. Well, the first one is just the fear of being wrong. And <laughs> nobody wants to be wrong. But that can lead us into a place of looking for certainty. Uh, and so I over-index uncertainty. And so, and we've seen it, that can lead a leader to, or in a team to like, just over-index on data and data analysis. And let's get a little bit, let's revisit this one more time. And so we're in a meeting now, let's put this off to the next meeting, to the next meeting, to the next meeting, and months go by, and we still haven't pulled the trigger because we don't wanna be wrong and we're going for certainty. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and oftentimes the data doesn't change, Mm -mm. but we're putting it off in order to, you know, just make absolutely certain where we've got the right data, we're making the right decision. Yet sometimes that prevents us from actually taking action. Yeah. Rick Van Arnhem is one of our colleagues who was in the military for, you know, in the army 30 years. And he, he taught us about this kind of 70% rule that he was taught as a commander in the military, yeah. which when you, when you have about 70% of the information that you think you need to have, it's probably time to decide. If you wait until you have 100%, you've probably missed the moment. Uh, and if you go off with 30, 40%, you know, you might be putting lives at risk or you know, the business at risk because you're going off uninformed. So I think 70% is a good, a good you know, gut check. Yeah. Uh, the data is never going to make the decision for you. Again, we're back to you're the leader. You have to make the impossible decision. Right. Right. Um, so the first fear is a fear of being wrong. What's the next one? 
Next fear is the fear of inefficiency. We deal with a lot of leaders who have gotten to their leadership role because they are so good at getting things done. They're good at they're being efficient. Um, and so I think when a leader um, is afraid of being inefficient, they kind of go the other direction. Um, they, they push the decision prematurely into like decision announcing mode uh, or versus decision making mode. So like, hey, we got to make the call today. So let's just do X. And what they give up is, uh, is a, a team of people speaking into that decision, sharing their insights, sharing potential implications, the pros and the cons, um, innovative approaches. And so it's actually good to pull back and say, are we, are we pulling the trigger too soon just for the sake of a decision now? Right. And so, and we see that a lot with people, with leaders who maybe get frustrated at the process. And so, and so they're leaning in on the faster decisions, but not necessarily the better decisions in that moment. And so, you know, we want to make sure again, that we're having the best debates possible in order to make the faster, better decisions in this case. We, we've used this last 10%. I forgot where that came from. We didn't make it up, but it's like, hey, before we pull the trigger, last 10%, is there anything that you haven't said? Yeah. Right? Is there yeah. any insight or option that we haven't fully explored? Let's let's recap what we've considered, A, B, and C. And here's the pros and the cons of each, but we're going to choose B because we're more excited about those pros and we feel we can manage those cons. Right? Yeah. So just slowing down enough to avoid that efficiency trap to make sure that we're making a good one. Yeah. So um, good. Th- the third, uh, this is one, it, it's a little bit different than the fear of being wrong or fear of inefficiency. I think a lot of leaders, um, they, they don't want to be disliked. They want people to like them. They want people to be excited about the decision itself and excited about them. They want to make popular decisions. And, um, and we see this so often when we see a leader, they know they need to make a tough call, but it's a call that people are going to be disappointed with and maybe disappointed with them and be against this decision. And I think that pushes leaders into kind of artificial consensus building mode They where they want everybody to agree. They want everybody to be excited about, um, and that can lead to excessive amounts of opinion sharing and, and, and even just excessive amounts of convincing. Like, hey, let's let's open this up for more conversation. Or if we see a leader trying to explain the decision and convince and sell the decision as opposed to just just make the decision. Yeah. And what I see to sometimes when those leaders are taking a long time and and really want to build consensus, but it's not happening is the people on the team actually get frustrated with how long this is taking. You know, and and healthy teams in that moment might say, okay, leader, you've heard everything. We've been talking about this for a little while. What's preventing you from making a decision right now? Yeah. You know, like we actually are ready for you to make a decision. I was at the team recently and the debate was around something pretty strategic and the leader teed it up. Uh, There was, I think, three options on the table. And the team was so ambivalent and disengaged. And the leader took their ambivalence as like a signal to like, maybe I need to sell this more. 
and he got more passionate and he started selling more and and the team just kept being ambivalent and finally i just called the time out i was like okay clearly this leader is looking for something from this team that they're not giving him and i just said hey guys do you not care about this decision or do you just disagree with the decision that this leader seems to be selling and it was a bit of a mixed bag a couple of them were just like i just don't i just don't think it's that big a deal i am fine with it just just make the call like enough and the others are like yeah i don't like that decision but you're right i'm just my response to that is just to withdraw from the conversation itself and so we just had to call that dynamic and say hey look leader your job is to make a decision here um even if that means they don't like it um you know as long as you understand the implications and you've heard those you've listened to them uh it's you know why don't you just make the call yeah and his response was okay give me one more week to think about it <laughs> <laughs> which is still fair which, which is, is fair. fair yeah that's yeah. fair um and i like that he's putting uh in that case a a, a time stamp on it yeah one week and then i'll bring the decision back to you folks yeah yeah uh, the last one, I think, is a little bit more uh, in the ego realm, and that's the the fear of looking foolish. Or it's 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 the fear of being wrong, but it's not the fear that I made the wrong decision. It's the fear that I'm wrong. I made the wrong decision, and now I feel like an idiot. And so I think that causes leaders to go into, like, defensive mode. And, James, actually, I you know, you're the one that teed me into this uh, based on a book you read, the 15, what is it, 15, something, something. The 15 Traits of Conscious Leadership. Thank you. Talk about that above the line, below the line, because I think that's anchored more in insecurity and ego than it is like, I fear making the wrong decision in the marketplace. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love this. I love this model because it's so simple, but it's so, and it's so easily understood and people can call it out right away when they see it. And so um, in discussions, we're either above the line or we're below the line above the line behaviors are you're open-minded you're curious you're focused on what the best solution might be and below the line is the opposite you're defensive you're closed-minded and you're focused on being right and you know the the idea isn't that we're never going to go below the line you know, we're people, we're often going to go below the line in our lives. But what we want to do is a few things. One, we want to go below the line less. Second, we want to self-identify more when we're going below the line and pull ourselves out of it. And third, we want everybody to be able to call it out when they see it amongst us. And so in a team meeting, you know, you and I were in one recently where somebody was really advocating for something that they were passionate about. And it was starting to get them uh, closed-minded and defensive. And the team called it out. And this person said, no, 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 no. This is, I'm passionate about this. This is why I'm here. And they said, yeah, you're so passionate that you're not listening to the feedback from the team. Right. And the person in the moment kind of stormed off begrudgingly, you know, and then came back about 10 minutes later and said, hey, I I just want to admit I was below the line there. Um, I'm going to go along with the decision we made. But yeah, it's that idea that, hey, we need to be open-minded, curious, and focused on the best solutions as opposed to what our agenda might be. There, there, I, I'd love that. There's such a nuance here. There's such a, it's a nuanced difference between being decisive 
and being close-minded. And being decisive is a good thing uh, as long as you've given space for input and ideas. And let's take a well-rounded view of this. So we need all ideas on the table. And then we need a leader who's decisive enough to say, hey, let me create some clarity and closure for the team and we're going to go this direction. Yeah. But that's different than somebody who's closed-minded, who in the moment is like, I don't even want to entertain other ideas. The more I hear other ideas, it starts to entrench me into a decisive posture. I get, you know, the amygdala hijack and I get lizard brain and I get focused on myself and looking foolish. And it's like, just, okay, go back above the line. Get learning, stay curious. But I love to remind leaders is like, you can, there's two things that you can be curious about and you can learn. Even if you know that you're right, without a shadow of a doubt, you know that you're right, but you can be curious what does everybody else think? Because that's actually yeah. really good data. Yeah. Am I about to ask them to do something they actually disagree with? Yeah. Or I can learn, um, you know, how big of a gap is there in their understanding of the solution, of their excitement about the solution? Um, you know, and then, hey, I may just learn that I there is a rock that I failed to, over, to, uh, to look under and there's something there that I missed. And so if nothing else, leaders that struggle with being a little bit egocentric, at least stop and be curious about where everybody else is in the room. And then, you know, you know, you know what's going to be required of you as a leader as you make a decision. And I think even better is be open to the fact that you might be about to make a really stupid decision and somebody on this team is going to protect you for making a boneheaded move. Yeah. And Keith, you call this out, you affirm this in your article, but I think those behaviors uh, above the line of being open-minded, curious, focused on finding the best solution are all captured under uh, the, the idea of being a humble leader. Yeah. And that's that's the leader of the team or all the executives on that team as well. If we're all humble, we're going to be curious, open-minded, and focused on finding the best solution. Yeah. Uh, and and another thing you call out when we're in, in offsites with our clients is, hey, the most productive teams have this debate prior to the decision making. Right. You know, we have this debate in order to make the best decision possible. The behaviors are around, you know, maybe doing it as fast as possible as well. But we're trying to have this debate, get all the uh, potential opinions uh, out on the table prior to making a decision. And then we commit to the execution and implementation of that decision with the same passion and vigor as we would, even if it wasn't our own idea, but like as we would if it was our own idea. And the unproductive teams have that debate, that same debate after a decision has been made. Right. You know, and then rehash it and, you know, uh, maybe don't implement as well as they could have because they were kind of dragging their feet. Well, I didn't really like that idea to begin with, or I didn't really go along with that decision. Like, no, we you had that time to have that debate. We made the decision. Now it's time to execute. Yeah. Yeah. You know, courage and humility. We love working with humble leaders who are courageous. So humble is recognizing that I'm, I am capable of making bad decisions. Therefore I need help. Courage says I wear my responsibility to make the decision like a backpack. I put it on every morning and I carry it around all day long. And I'm just so aware of the fact that if, if this doesn't work, 
I will take responsibility for having made this call. And that takes a lot of courage. Yep. But balance that with humility and we can help um, foster faster, better decisions. And I think the, the follow-up or add-on to that courage is asking people to commit and execute even when they might disagree with the decision. That takes courage too, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So great article, Keith. I love the idea of making faster, better decisions. Your uh, four fears were the fear of being wrong, the fear of inefficiency, the fear of being disliked, and the fear of looking foolish as a leader. And to overcome that, leaders need to be humble and courageous. That's a great article, Keith. Thanks so much for joining the podcast and sharing. All right. Thanks for listening to the Org Health Advantage. Your hosts, Keith and James, are helping leaders change the world of work and invite you to share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. For more resources on building stronger teams and organizational health, check out tablegroup.com. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.